0: Welcome to the Moot Podcast. On today's episode, we spoke with Mike Will. Mike is a photographer from the UK, currently visiting Bali on holiday, and he stopped in to say hello and have a chat. We talked a lot about the business side of photography, really how to make money and how to make a sustainable income at business through your brand and your style of photography. We talked a lot about networking skills, marketing skills, just general business acumen uh, when it comes to photography and the creative industry. I learned a lot. I hope you do too. Uh, let me know what you think, and I hope you enjoy the chat. Welcome to the po- Pood. Welcome to the Pood Modcast. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank you for inviting me. Mm. Good to have you. We met. Shit. When did we meet? When you came to Bali last, that was last yes, year, right? it would have been, yeah. Uh, so that was what, June, July? You it came was, here for, for work? Uh,
1: just three weeks to kind of get away from the UK. And I was working on a ton of different projects. And one of the places that I really wanted to come to was Bali. And it had been on my list for a while. And then I had friends that were over here um, traveling. And then I was in New York previously, met Jonas and George, who are now obviously close friends. Um, and I was speaking to them for a while online. And it's just like one of those things where everything just lined up really nicely. And then, yeah, book flights pretty much after uh, straight after New York, and then came out here.
0: And then we met on the. I can't remember. Apologies, but we we played a lot of basketball. Games. It was. Yes. It would
1: have been on the basketball court so we first yeah. met. Yeah.
0: Um. So you you actually have a sports background, right? Just just give everyone a bit of an introduction as to kind of how you ended up in photography and kind of what brought you to to this stage.
1: For sure. Um. From the from the top. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I guess my name is Mike Will. Um, at m.visuals on Instagram and all social media. Um, and I started photography in 2016. Um, and I guess the journey before that and kind of how I got into photography. Um, I wasn't really academic. Didn't like school. Really struggled. And from there, sport obviously was a big outlet for me. Um, and that was what I just loved doing. I played all sports growing up, and then fell into ice hockey of all sports to play in the UK, um, which was really fun. Like it was a really, really, um, great way for me to just kind of progress, I guess, as a, as a human, um, and learning everything from teamwork to, you know, dedication, um, all those things that just get you through in, in, I guess, a get you through in life where it's just hard work really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not just something that you can just get given. You can't ever just go and win. You have to constantly battle, push, um, what so age was this? I started when I was 15, so pretty old, wow. but I'd played all sports growing up. So it was kind of like something that, you know, played football, rugby, table tennis, athletics, you name it. I'd, I'd probably played it for a while. And ice hockey was the one that I really like fell into, fell in love with, um, after going on a family holiday to Toronto. It's my first ever time on a, on a plane, went over oh, there. Yeah. Um, and I'd already was playing roller hockey and I went to an ice hockey game and was like, this is incredible. Like, this is looks awesome i want to be a goalie and uh yeah it was it was pretty cool i actually ended up the first ever game i went to i then ended up meeting the goalie that i saw play right. he was sitting next to me in a store. we were both coaching at the same hockey school um he was like a veteran guy played in the nhl and i was on the rise coming through the junior ranks and then i told him the story that he was the first ever goalie i saw and he was the reason i became a nice hockey goalie That's and cool. um yeah but anyways obviously so then Progressed through, played ten years of pro, um, all around the world, um, but mainly in the UK in the pro league over there, um, and then retired in 2020. But had already started my photography journey, um, and that kind of had kickstarted and already had kind of my businesses set up and had everything in place for when I did retire. It was kind of, I guess, my hand was was forced when I did retire because of COVID and it was 2020 and the season finished two months early, so didn't necessarily retire on my terms, but retired in a, in a very good position and um yeah was, was happy to do so and move on to the next chapter
0: so where did photography fit in essentially? You 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 was how did you find it basically yeah you started while you're still playing ice hockey yeah exactly and, and, yeah so how you know tell us about that journey of you know picking up a camera essentially
1: yeah so i had like an old point in shoot from a holiday um and then I was playing in Cardiff at the time. There was a lot of pressure to win all the time. We were the best team in the league. Um, So it was just kind of a creative outlet, I guess, a way to get away from kind of the the constant demands of of winning. Um, And from there, I then didn't sign back in Cardiff and moved to Guild. I got got signed in Guildford, which is a team closer to London. Um, And I was starting photography then, and I was kind of just going out and shooting. and, And that was something that was just really enjoyable. And as much of it was about the the photos it was also quite a fun social thing um and then moved to london and obviously then when i got to london i was uh kind of reaching out to people and being like hey you know want to go shoot and at the time it wasn't really something that people did like instagram was was on the rise but it wasn't as common for just people to connect on instagram and say hey man love your work let's you know let's go shoot next time you're in london or next time you're in bali whatever it might be um so that was something that that i realized when i was Um, then in the US that summer I was in LA and I met tons of amazing photographers and everyone was so friendly so open, this community was absolutely insane Um, and that was where also the birth of then UK Shooters came about which is the photography community which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit Um, but that also helped my creative journey because that was kind of something that, you know, starting in Cardiff going out to the Brecon Beacons and shooting all the way through then shooting the city in London um, to then Once I then started to actually take it seriously, um, yeah, all around the world.
0: And, um, you know, talk to us about the business. What made you kind of uh, say, "Okay, ice hockey, I'm done with it. You know, I'm good enough or I've got jobs coming in. I can make a living from this photography
1: stuff. Well, I guess, as I said, I guess that was when I retired from hockey. I mean, the money making ice hockey in the UK is not great. It's enough to live off. It's enough to have fun. The lifestyle is unreal. It was just a really, really great thing to do for 10 years. Um, but it was—it's never like future proofing. Um, and then photography, I realized was future proofing quite early on. There was a client that um I went to a meeting. I was a bit hungover in the morning. We just—I think we just got knocked out of a championship, and it was like the last like time we were together as a team. But I had this meeting. And I was like, I'm going to go, and I went and I pitched this idea in a cafe in Guildford. And he was like, "That sounds awesome. I love it. I don't matter how high up it was in the company either." And. Uh, he was like, Yeah. And I, he was like, What do you want for it? And I was like, Uh, uh, and I just threw a figure out that I thought was probably pretty good. And he looked at me and I was like, Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, we'll double it. What? <laughs> and I was like, What? Yeah. He's like, Yeah. He's like, We'll double it. And then I realized now looking back at it that he got an incredible deal still. Yeah. But he then offered me like, not mentoring, but it was like, If you have any questions for any brand, please come to me. Like, you have an incredible thing that you're, you're doing and you have all these ideas and, very talented so i just would rather you get the fee you're worth and i was like all right cool <laughs> um and then from there i then kind of instantly was like switched on i'm like okay right if this was for this then that can be that and this can be this and then i kind of manipulated not manipulated started to understand the industry and kind of work my work my way around it um and then business bit my business mind then just switched on instantly um, and i'd never studied business i'd never again i always always said in life i never want to do something for the money I always want to do it because I just want to do it. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate to turn two hobbies into full-time jobs. Yeah. um, And I have that mentality, I think, with with everything that I do. I don't want to chase, chase money. I just want to do it because I have fun. Like, fuck, the best thing to do in life is just enjoy it, right? So if you can do that and make money, then amazing. And uh, so I guess that's kind of my best business mentality. But on the side of that, I understand now, the, especially the social media side of things so well, that I'm now learning starting to be directing for big ads and all sorts of other creative direction there is to do. Um, I just acted in my first advert, like which has got over 8 million views already on, on YouTube, the ad they've been pushing, the, the brand has. and like So I'm starting to understand each thing is a different paycheck and each thing's a different, okay, right, wow, okay, so you can get that because of rights and you can get that because of this and you can get that because of something else and it's being posted on your social or their social or global social or 10 socials because they have 10 social medias there's all these different things that then suddenly you're working on internally in your head when a, when a brand comes to you and says, hey, we want this. How much is it going to cost?
0: Where does your idea creation come from? I mean, it's clearly, the, the, you know, can you tell us who that guy was? That you...
1: It was, it was, a, it was um, James from Samsung.
0: Oh, right. Okay. He was okay. just,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, a guy from the UK and he doesn't work there anymore. Um, okay. And he was just, yeah, he was just a really good guy. And I, I did a project for him. That's how we met because I did it my first ever project project for samsung and i remember just running around everyone i could meet i was like hey what's up i'm mike thanks so much for getting us on, the, on this campaign super stoked to be working with you guys it was my first ever big shoot for a brand um and it was through the twitter agency at the time because they used to run lots of campaigns and i worked quite closely with them for a little while um and yeah the, it was just one of those things and he i reached out to him a, a bunch uh, as well as a bunch of other people and then he then got in contact with me several weeks later. Because obviously the agencies are the that deal with the clients. You never get to meet the client when you're working with these, with these big brands normally. Yeah. So I I knew that the client was around in the different spots because we had to go in different places in London to shoot. And I knew that they were somewhere. So I was just like, right, let's go say hello to everyone and just say, hey, what's up? My mic can be great to do some more stuff with you if you like my work. And then sure enough, they saw the work that I produced. And then that's when he said, let's set a meeting. I'll come meet you in Guildford. And then it's cool. Yeah.
0: And you clearly identified like you're a talented individual with certainly a creative individual. Where does where does that kind of creativity come from? If you know, it's it's an interesting set. People say this to me all the time. We have something, I guess, a little bit similar where we started with a passion and a hobby that we turned into a, a job essentially that was so different from the creative industry. Right? Yeah, to make that leap, often people say, "Well, how do they relate?" Similar to. I guess, a sport and photography or, you know, they're, they're not necessarily the most, sport isn't necessarily the most creative industry, even though it is, of course, but they, they don't really go hand in hand. So did you have that from a young age, that kind of, that creativity spark or, you know, did photography kind of allow that to to come out or a bit of both?
1: Um, I think I had it from a young age. Yeah. Um, I went to an alternative education school um, from when I was very young to just before you do your GCSEs in the UK. so high school, whatever it would be in the US or wherever around the world. Yeah. Um, And it was very art-based um, and everything was very art. And I was never, but everyone okay. there was so incredibly talented. And I didn't see that when I was a kid, obviously. I was just like, everyone was very good and I didn't think I was very good. But I think that gave me like an understanding of of, of art as a whole. Um, And then from there, uh, I did my GCSEs and I did very well in art. And my art teacher was like, you should go to art college. And But at the time there was not really that many opportunities. I was like, well, where is I gonna go after that? And I was obviously at the time pushing heavily in sport and ice hockey and and all other sports. I just loved working out, being in shape. Like that was a huge part of my life. So with the idea of that, I knew I could get paid to play a sport, didn't know I could get paid to be a photographer or an artist or whatever it might be within the creative space. Um so I went down the sport route, um, pushed heavily within that. Um and then yeah it was a it was kind of one of those things that came full cycle, I guess. Uh, and it was just suddenly then I was I picked up a camera and was like, oh, this is cool. And I'd never edited it before, but I, I, I don't guess. I know because of the previous experiences in school, I understood colors, for instance. I understood everything about color. So mm-hmm. I could manipulate it so well. I'd never edited it in Lightroom, but I literally went into it. I was like, oh, okay, this does this. Does it. Picked it up quick. And picked it up quick. And was like, never had any experience in editing software at all. but the colours I just knew what was going to change if I change this to this to this to this this, I knew how they would you know work with each other because we used to do lots of drawing and we had to use and I'm going to I've forgotten what they are but maybe how many base colours are there
0: But you mean primary colours primary colours sorry yeah three right
1: three or four whatever it is let's say it's three then we'll know cut this bit okay (laughs) (laughs) and I had to use the primary colours and you'd have to use the primary colours to then paint anything else any colours you wanted red green
0: red green blue yellow I don't know. Red. What are the primary colors? Uh, I said primary colors because of. Sorry, mate. This is, no, 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 no. It's important. be thinking important. about it the whole fucking time.
1: I just remember you that, know, that as a it? kid, having to only use primary colors. You couldn't use anything else. So, and there was no blacks. There was no. There was nothing. Yeah. So, like, it was a very colorful environment.
0: Why is it not coming with... Yeah, because you have the what are the primary red, red green, and blue, and then you have. See, I, I thought nothing. it was red. I thought yellow was no. Nah, I don't one of them. No, because okay. yellow.
1: According to Wikipedia, yeah, is. a set of primary colors or primary colors consists of colorants or colored lights that can be mixed in varying amounts to produce a gamut of colors. But the what? so it's oh. so it's red, blue, and yellow. It is red? Yeah, because yellow and blue makes green. Oh, yeah. yellow and yellow and or- yellow and red makes orange red and blue makes purple
0: yeah red. so i had no, to mix red, all blue these. And yellow
1: yeah red blue and yellow yeah oh okay
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. so i oh, have yeah,
1: to yeah, so you'd yeah. only get those and i'd have to mix them together to then get the oranges i wanted or the, what whatever what confused it
0: was. me was rgb red green okay. and red green and blue which is like the photography you know, go-to space yeah cmyk right <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that cut that there down go, it wasn't cut. too long <laughs> we know ask me again and we'll fucking nail it primary colors what are they what red blue what are they <laughs> red blue and, yeah, red, like, blue and yellow anyway, red blue yeah uh, that so that, that was a
1: school yeah and that was in school and then and then at college in the uk before i moved to the to canada to play hockey i um studied photography but it was film so did one year of as like didn't think anything because i went to the art there and i didn't like the art teacher it was very much like i'd gone from being able to do whatever i wanted at school to then going being technically an adult and then going there and then basically being given a drawing book and be like this is your art for the year and i was like, i'm not doing this like so i didn't do that but the but the photography teacher randomly was like i think you do well photography come into one of my classes and then oh, we'll switch okay. so up it all switch started
0: from there. so then yeah School, so really.
1: yeah so i probably owe her one for the yeah. for just bringing me into that and did so that was just only one year that was as and as level um and then yeah then things progressed yes uh, level for
0: non uk people watching this is what Just, yeah, 17 yeah,
1: 17 probably yeah 17, 16 17, 17 yeah. 18 yeah 1718 18 because so hey, i was i was partying yeah so <laughs> yeah um and then i moved to the moved to the us and canada when i was 18 19 like end of my 18
0: 19 and that's where you so you did i hockey for how long out there oh no you so I did
1: no no so UK. i did yeah so i then moved to canada and i was uh 18 um and then 19 was Canada, 20 was Canada, 21 was the US, 22 was the US. And then I had turned pro when I was 23. Um, and they did 10 years, uh, pro. So 10 years. Mm. Cool. Yeah. It was good. Did you do good well? Role. I was all right. I was a, I was a backup goalie. So I kind of was, was second there, but it was, it was a, a hard position to, to kind of for a lot of my career, I was second. I then was first for, for a year and a half when I then going up. And then my last three years were like, went from being the first goalie to the second goalie to the third goalie. So it was quite a good way of tailing off my career. Um but at the same time my photography was then yeah on rise. But uh yeah I mean I, I represented GB in the world championships and you know I had like I had a very good career for someone that started at 15 and, and I kind of made a career of of someone just worked hard, um, was always there for the team, like was always about like helping the boys out and just getting shit done. So um I think I had that mentality through it and I matured through the years and I think the older I got the more I understood the role and the important parts that I could then bring to the team and I think that's why especially when I was in Guildford my last four years why I did so well there in terms of like being able to then go on a trip to Bahrain and work for the tourism board on Monday to Friday and come back Friday night and have a game Saturday Sunday and still the boys would be like super excited to hear the stories and like no jealousy at all and you know I hadn't had to I didn't have to skate all day like they didn't go to the gym and have workouts and they understood that my next thing in life was going to be photography and they supported that versus if I'd been on other teams, I don't know if they would have done the same thing. And that was a big shift in mentality for me and I guess for everyone, but also for me, understanding and having the support from them was, was really like, I meant a lot.
0: People, I guess, um, can have a misconception that photography or being a photographer, you, you often fall into the kind of the struggling artist category. But, um, you know, the more I learn about it and the more, more I kind of get, get into it, um, I, I found out that actually you can make some really good fucking money. If you, if you do well, obviously you have to be good. I mean, that, that just, that's, that's taken as a given, but how did that surprise you as well? Or, you know, you're, you're fairly open with kind of, uh, you know, prices, what you charge for clients, what other people charge for clients, which I think we might get into later, but. Do you talk to a lot of people about, you know, potential of earnings in photography and and does that does that excite you? Has it moved, you know, over the last few years? Do you see much dilution there with people doing things for free and so prices might be adjusted accordingly or,
1: you know, it's a whole maze. I know we can't That's a talk. massively layered yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, not at, at all. answer like... <laughs> all of that in 10 <laughs> Okay, so, uh, where shall I start? Money. Back to the top.
0: Um, you know, because we, you talked about your first job and being surprised at basically the reaction. To yeah,
1: it. I guess yeah, we're not struggling artists not at all, no. Because the opportunity within the photography space is incredible, and that also includes obviously video work. Um, that includes assisting on. Do you on do video work scale. as well? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, right. um, but that you know includes large scale productions where you're an assistant, where you might be a camera assistant, where you might be whatever it might be on those huge production sets. There's massive opportunity there there's then huge opportunity within the social space and then you break down the social space of you know twitter instagram tiktok youtube and i'm sure there's more out there that potentially can be monetized. i mean you look at those alone and and then you're thinking okay and then you've got brands internally like within those social platforms that all need content constantly instantly churned out we need this 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 and this so if you're good at one of those things you can you know make a great career out of that if you're good at two of those things you can make an incredible career if you're good at multiple parts of those things you can have so many different avenues of income coming in as a creator as a photographer videographer whatever you want to call it um so yeah the opportunities are and i think everyone says oh, it's so saturated now because of social media because everyone wants to be a uh, an influencer or whatever it might be um not at all like if anything it just gives more opportunity because more brands need to have constant content being being produced because if, if they're not on top of the search when someone goes on tiktok and says best things to do in bali and they're not one of the things that best sorry best coffee shops in bali whatever it might be if they're not one of in on there constantly posting content they're going to be seen someone else is going to be ahead of them and so a different coffee shop is going to be the one that they see and therefore they're going to go to that coffee shop so the the way that people are searching, I think, is is changing quite dramatically. And for brands, I see that as a huge thing for them to have to constantly be be on social as well. And then you've got your own social media. If you're you know wanting to do your own socials, post constantly on those socials. That's another income avenue because you can constantly be getting paid by brands to promote them. Um, and then there's a d- traditional way as well, where you know maybe you're using um, those images and send them to newspapers or you're doing. I don't know a huge amount about huge amount about this, but um, you know, working with stock or stock websites or other things that are kind of out mm-hmm. there as well. There are so many ways. Maybe you're selling prints, maybe you're doing the classic. Um, I have friends that make a fortune off, um, calendars. Yeah. Every year, yeah. they just make a fortune because they have an incredible it. Made- yeah. Merch. Like there's so much out there. And like, I don't even feel I've got to the, to anywhere near the tip of the iceberg. And like, there's, 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 there's like, there's so much to, to do and learn and see and, um everyone you speak to has a different story and and everyone has a different way of, of making income um podcasting it can, you know these can turn into incredible subscribe <laughs> subscribe right yeah. now these can turn into incredible um you know revenue streams so like there's just nuts
0: yeah and and going back to what you said um originally which which i am a massive believer in as well is if you if you stick to doing what you love and so you don't divert from the part even I, I understand. You have to. You have to make money. and You have to survive. You have to live. Essentially, so you're going to take jobs certainly in the beginning that you may not really want to do or don't really appeal to your style or or are state, underpaid or whatever or you whatever. mentioned whatever, the underpaying thing. whatever it is. Whatever it is, but as long as you, your core foundation is just doing what you love, whether that is podcasting, YouTube, whether it's everything into social media, whether it's um like you said well, the, the merch or networking or doing just brand brand deals or your own personal work and then selling them nfts print, yeah NFTs, web what through, we haven't even started to into that yet what a great new way for artists to yeah there's there's pros and cons and there's volatility involved there and but it's yeah, definitely but it's given... the future and um it's such a nice thing to see that kind of sector open up for, for photographers and other artists alike so what, what advice would you give to newbies, let's say, who are looking at all of this? Like we just talked about like, fucking loads of shit. Where do I, where do I begin? Right. What do I, how do I start making money from this? Do, you know, is there any kind of top one or two tips that you learned yourself that you would, that you would share with others? I mean, I think the,
1: the easiest is just to work hard. Like never say no to anything early on and but that doesn't even necessarily mean like job wise. It means just shoot everything you can. Like do as much photography as you can because you'll learn so much through the pro the process is part of like I get used to, especially early on I used to get like people say, um, how do I grow on social or how do I get my first jobs? And it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen. Like I worked super hard and every when I was doing hockey I had one day off a week every Monday I would go into London from eleven AM to eleven PM every Monday for eight months. And that was my one day off and that was my one thing to do. And I would go and shoot enough content to be able to post two to three times on, on Instagram that week. And I had, you know, other things logged up from the summers. Um, and it was just a case of me constantly learning and improving and taking on my first few jobs, unknowingly what the budget should be that I've charged, but that doesn't matter because you're, you're, you're just doing it because you're never gonna, you can't go direct, turn around to a brand and say, yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to cost you, um, five grand because you're wanting these, you know, this, 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 and this. If you've never done a job before, and maybe you can, and maybe you get away with it once, but you'll never produce the content that's necessary. And it puts more pressure on you as well. If if you're turning around and saying it's going to cost you five grand for this shoot and you you do an okay job, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to recommend you. They're not going to want to use you again. And maybe you've charged them only 500 for this because you have no idea what you're doing at first. And they've gone, yeah, okay, cool. And you do a good job, but for the price, it's a great job. And then maybe you know okay you've you've learned you've improved and then they go oh that was actually really really good value because we've got two really amazing images even though they sent across 50 or 25 whatever it was for the price they still got those and they think okay that was great because normally we'd have had to pay a hell of a lot more for those two images at that price so brilliant we've done well but if you charge them five grand and they've got two images they like you're never going to get that repeat business or they're never going to recommend you to anyone else or so i think also pricing your things not early on in your career not too high is also important and you asked me earlier about do i feel that the the market's um uh being saturated with and people taking free work do i worry about that not at all i think that the market as i said is there's so much opportunity but people taking on free jobs i think it's important once you get to a certain level to then know your worth and know your rates but until that level i think it's very easy to to not easy it's very important not to worry too much and just take take the job Obviously, pay, getting paid a, a, a something. amount, is something, and something that's fair, and something that's yeah, exactly. But I think that until you get to that level, then that's when you start to you need that help. And and yeah, again, you mentioned earlier, like people, a lot of people do come to me now in London and ask for advice on how much they should be charging, especially for social media posts and and um, usage rights and all sorts of things now within the within the social space. Um, and i'm more than happy to help i'm very approachable and and i'm very happy to to help guide and say well this is what i would charge i've charged this this and this for when i was at this many followers that many followers um these global rights or uk rights or one post on tiktok one post on instagram whatever it might be
0: give me some rates how much how much you don't have to tell us how much you charge but what would you recommend based on followers and type of posts that that are required.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's constantly changing. But let's say, I mean, a lot of brands have moved their their Instagram budget across to TikTok and they're now splitting across that. YouTube, I'm I'm still learning, so I'm still kind of understanding that. But Instagram, let's say you have, I don't know, hundred thousand followers, um, or 50 50,000 followers, let's say. So you can charge anything from in the UK, depending on your engagement and work itself, anything between five hundred and probably three, three and a half grand for a post for one post for one post yeah
0: still or real
1: uh it would have been stills i mean reels now is the thing that's (laughs) this that's that's coming into play um
0: reels a lot more work right so surely the price has to vary
1: really depends depends on what depends on what your reels are like i have i know friends that have incredible engagement with reels and it's literally just a very simple cinematic thing on their phone they're just holding it up and they're getting this incredible waterfall Let's say you're at a waterfall in Bali, you're there and it's just very, you know, very nice, very peaceful. There's the waterfall sound. They put a nice piece of music over it. Boom, they get half a million views. And I mean, it's, it's obviously hard to monetize that particular thing. But let's say you're doing it for the tourism board. Then it's very easy mm-hmm. because you're yeah. going, OK, great. And you know, you're going to get the views. So I traveled with some amazing creators to San Francisco recently for the tourism board. And I was trying to do all these like behind the the kind of lens looks of my reels of like how I would shoot this and, and settings, etc. And they're going and doing this incredible, very simple, holding it up in Yosemite and it's done. And then they're getting incredible views for it. So, you know, it's very good value for a brand to do that. And it's very simple. However, if you're doing like crazy transitions and like, you know, yeah. whoosh, whoosh, whatever and, and sound effects whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Whoosh. <laughs> and you're getting all these crazy transitions and, and sound effects and whatever, and you're having someone come in to do it for you. then yeah, the fee is going to be bumped up. But as soon as you get to 100K, you can be charging anything from a grand to like five grand, I, th- I think. And then two hundred, obviously plus. You're looking at two to ten, and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the most I ever got paid on a on a one post on Instagram, probably about a year and a half ago, seven and a half grand. Nice. Um. So yeah, I mean the money's out there, and it's important that people understand that. Um, it is
0: really important people understand. Yeah. And
1: um, but again, you have to like. I mean, and with that, I had like tons of other things going on too. It wasn't just like I course. went out and took a photo and posted it or had something from previously yeah. done. It was a specific brief. It Was a very tight turnaround. I think it had like two days or something stupid. Um, I had an animator help. I you know paid someone else to do something. So like again, like it's not just like it's it just sounds like oh okay yeah, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but there's other areas that don't.
0: yeah. But also you know, and you talked about price and value and 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 I I did a video in here had not been released yet, but about you know what a photographer's worth, right? And what goes in behind and after, you know, even just one shoot and um. It is very, very important for clients and photographers not to confuse price with value because value is completely different. And you said you, 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 you gave us an example of someone, you know, brand wanting two photos Let's saying you, you give them, you give them 50 amazing photos and then I have to, have to pick two out of an amazing bunch. It's like that's fucking value for, for what you're doing. And that's going above and beyond maybe, but still, if you, if, if you can justify your value price doesn't fucking matter most of the time yeah. unless unless obviously they're restricted by budgets and there's other stuff that comes in but you know if you if you're the best at what you do or you're very good at what you do and you're very clear in what you can offer then you know seven grand seven and a half grand for one post is is nothing actually it's it's, it's not very much at talk because you you know you go you really break down the costs of something like that take take into account all of the years of your craft learning yeah Working day in day out, those one days off all the time. Practice, practice, practice. Pitching, pitching, pitching. Growing followers, social media, growing followers every day on the social. Growing platform. brands, yeah, every everything. Po- Pre production, production, post production. Like there's there's people who don't understand photography, and this is not criticism at all because I don't st- understand a lot of industries. But people who aren't necessarily in the photography circle don't quite understand that. I have to turn people away all the time because. That sounds really obnoxious actually. I don't turn people away all the time because I don't get loads of people asking me for work. But uh certainly individuals who who want expect, photos yeah, done and, and, and then you no, send them a quote across and they're like, What? Yeah. So, well, okay, this is basically three days work for me for one shoot. You know, if you if you break it all all down into Research, idea creation, pre-production, setting everything up, the time, the opportunity cost, the actual time on set, we're photographing, and then the edits and selections. Like that's, that's a lot of work, and actually, I'm undercharging. Mate.
1: So, yeah, yeah, literally.
0: Yeah, but but that's that's not their fault. That's just a bit of. Sometimes people are ignorant, but that's just people. But you know, a lot of the time, it's just a bit of education, and the same, I guess, with brands, clients, tourism boards. Not so much. They're they're, they're very used to it. right? Yeah, I've worked with a
1: ton of tourism boards, but again, that can fluctuate massively with some saying they have a, you know, a budget and then others saying they don't. A lot of them now get away with, I think, flying people out, influencers out there to just take photos, post on social media and then go home. They don't get paid. Um, I've done Oops. that. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Lots of tourism boards do that. Um, I did that. Oh, so they, they
0: cover costs. They cover all
1: your costs. Okay. Yeah. And it's flights, hotels, cars. Flight car. flight yeah. And you basically okay. get a free trip um sometimes Essentially paid yeah i mean it is especially if it's something and if it's somewhere you've always wanted to go yeah then amazing
0: a, a business a lot about business a lot about how you've found success in business but um specifically we were talking about let's say tourism boards which which we'll try and continue from there a little bit yeah but uh just me dabbling into the photography business side of things and and getting paid for jobs um it's interesting to see how many photographers or influencers or content creators go and do jobs for free, essentially. Well, not for free. They get remunerated in terms of expenses and, yeah. and hotel rooms and stuff like that, but no money on top of that. Is that prevalent in, in your circle? You see that happening a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't see it as a problem. Um, I think it's a problem if you continue to do it down the line and you're just continually taking free jobs and offering your services and, um, you know, if you're wanting experiences, then great. Like these experiences are out there, but I feel there's, there's, a, but there's a balance. Like it's a same in, in all things in life. There's a balance of how much to push for that paycheck on top of it and then how much to take. Yeah. Um, and early on, I was doing tourism board jobs where I wasn't getting paid. And then I started to step into the tourism board jobs where I was getting paid. So obviously the, the unpaid ones, um, you get all your travel, so flights, um, car rental, accommodation, so hotels, and lots of them, provide meals as well so it's an amazing opportunity to then go and explore and um, but also then i learned early on that sometimes the deliverables were pretty chilled like it was like go create what you want do a couple of posts give us a few images mm. and i was like amazing that sounds great yeah of course i'll do that and then i did that and it was awesome and then i did another one where it was like we need this 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 food we need this we need the hotel we need the and it was like okay yeah, i can do that and then i did it and i was like i've just wasted so much time and it was not worth my time of doing that for the experiences i then got to do on top of it and then that's when i was like right i'm not doing the free tourism board Maybe. stuff unless it's something that i just want to go and do so um an easy example is i went to madeira and they were like yeah just kind of do whatever you want and I, I by that point i was getting paid by tourism boards and then i was like yeah you know what i want to go to madeira it'll be cool there was pretty loose deliverables it was basically do whatever you want and i was like cool yeah all right somewhere i wanted to go um Versus then others approach and I'll be like, how, oh, you know, I'm doing only paid jobs right now. Um, but a big turning point was the Vegas one where I, I, I went to Las Vegas and did a tourism board job there for eight days, which was a lot of fun. Um, That's and, about, and then no, that was, uh, the, that was a trip. Please. Um, no, uh, afterwards that no, I went no, Bo. Um, but yeah, Vegas was, it was just a good opportunity and, and, and that was like a, a well paid one. And then obviously then more and more have come in ever since uh, and the last one i did was for um in san francisco for the visit the usa tourism board so that was a really really fun trip at the end of the summer um who gets paid to go and explore yeah. yosemite national park yeah. like i kept yeah. shaking my head and be like this is insane yeah. it's insane
0: we should say that about my flying job so you'll yeah you need to basically just go travel around the world. it's great but it, you know if you can find a job like that and you love doing it like that's the dream yeah. And which, which you seem to be doing. So you know, good for you. Do you, do you, you said that you don't see that as a problem? I mean, it's, it's generally market forces in any, any industry. But when, when individuals with a skill set or learning a skill set are trying to make their way in that industry, they go, they're going to do something for cheaper. They're going to, you know, and, and I hear a lot about, oh, people doing it for free, this, that, and the other. They're devaluing our, our skill set or our, price or our value, which I just don't believe. I think if you're, when we talked about this earlier, but if you, if you're good enough, then that value never will change. If, if you can justify your product, essentially and your brand, that is the, the value that you're putting on it, then what's the problem? Yeah. You know, in every facet of life, you're going to have people coming through, coming through the ranks. Now, like you said, if you start then dropping dropping the prices and start doing things, then that will bring a, a lot of things down. And that
1: brings us back to the kind of asking someone that has been there about rates and asking what they should be aspiring to and when they have, if it's, for instance, the collabing with hotels things, like when do you start asking for money? At, at how many followers? At what kind of uh, deliverables is acceptable? And that's where I do feel that <clears throat> excuse me, lots of people don't know because there's no real like it's we're in the wild west in a way because it's still such a, a young industry where like there is so many there's so many volatile things and you know that that's even 10 times 50 million in, in web three um but obviously in in the real world where we're, we're living in right now with social media the the kind of the way that your pricing is is set for things like that is there's no like book on this is how it should be so um
0: so yeah. how, how do people what would you say to people you know who who don't know and who want to go and do things for hotels or tourism boards but don't you know want to get paid for it yeah we'll
1: re- reach out to others and okay. and ask i mean i think it should be a, a an easy thing to but not easy i feel it should, should be something open an open conversation with someone obviously that not someone completely random but if you're in the industry chances are you've met someone yeah or your friends with someone that's also doing the same thing and don't just ask them out the blue but it's like it's about having that conversation preferably in person and you know you're, you're having a conversation about how you started off and if i'm speaking to someone that I looked up to early on in my career and I'm there and I'm having a coffee or I'm there on a shoot with them or they're at a conference or an event I'm at and you can just start the conversation about it and say hey listen I'm looking for some advice Um, I would love to know about pricings and you don't have to tell me yours but you can just tell me a a rough estimate of what maybe I should have for maybe okay so a hotel collab if I'm going to x country and I know how much should I be charging a tourism board for you know and rights image rights and all these things are." Potentially available online as well. I mean, I haven't done research because it's not something that I've ever. I mean, I kind of. I guess I started in the industry that it was still relatively new, and I was finding my way, and as was everyone else. So there wasn't really a structure in place. But yeah, I think that I think reaching out and speaking to people is is the the easiest and and best way to do it.
0: I think don't just be honest and humble, mm. and hope that the other. I mean, I I have asked people before, and some are open and honest with me, some aren't, and that that's fine. You can't judge them for that. It's just. Try and try and utilize the resources you can. He said online, yeah, there are few, there are a few, well, a lot of YouTube videos about it and a lot of stuff online, but it's I feel like that is that's the limitation of something like YouTube because it's one size fits all kind mm. of thing. Like finding finding someone who gets you, like as a human, as a as a person, as a photographer, and what you actually the work you want to do and what you want to charge for. You know, you go on to I was on one a few weeks ago, just, just stumbled across it on YouTube and they just gave wide brackets. You know, if you're a beginner photographer, intermediate, professional, whatever that means, or experienced, let's say, yeah, you can charge between this and this, between this and this, between this and this. And they're like anything from, let's say, you know, 10 images, anything from $50 to $5,000. Yeah. like that's not helpful. It's really not helpful. <laughs> So I, I think what people should take from that and what you're saying is that it's, it's so dependent on who you are, how good you are, your experience, what you want to do, the deliverables. I mean, that can be confusing for people as well. It's like, well, do I set the deliverables? Do they set the deliverables? Are they negotiable? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you mentioned it a few times. Like, how How do you... Work that process. Yeah. With, it's with a,
1: again, it's an absolute minefield. I tend to try, so if it's a social media post, the, the deliverables tend to be set from the client, from the agency that are working for that brand. So let's say it's one post, five stories, and a TikTok, whatever it might be. Yeah. um That's generally set. <clears throat> There's no real change there. If you're going out and doing a job for a tourism board or let's say I'm working for a, a car company, they want 10 images with global rights to use in their next campaign. For this new car coming out, that's set. You're not going to, again, you're not going to be negotiating that. But let's say you go to a tourism board and you're working for a tourism board and they're like, Oh, we want, we want 20 high quality images. Um, you can go, okay. Yeah. What if we maybe you want to do more video and you're like, okay. Yeah. I'd like actually to do a bit of video. So can we do 15 images and, and two videos? And then, you know, you can negotiate certain things and there is obviously room to play within every single like, contract and offer you get i always upsell so okay. a big thing to to do is like okay yeah great i've got 20 images from a tourism board um i might just throw them 30 at the end and go if you want the extra 10 it'll cost you x amount because i was already there and if i really like the images then great they, they can potentially get an extra 10 images and it will only cost them a, a quarter of the price that it would have but i'm making an extra 500 000, 4, 000, whatever it might be depending on the yep. the original fee in net same with posts. I, I've, I've upsell, especially early on, I used to upsell posts very, so I'd be like, you'd be like one post, five stories, and I go, yeah, that's cool. And I go and create two posts, and then I go, I have a second post, and then I would pitch it for like, I don't know, let's say the, the post was, I don't know, 1,500 for the post, and I'd do another one, and I'd be like, oh, I'll do a second for a grand. Yeah. And they'd be like, okay, cool. And then I'd suddenly get two and a half grand, and I'd shoot them both in the same night. Yeah. So like, the, the same. it would be yeah it would be the same thing and it was stuff that i really liked shooting so it was fun yeah and then they were winning because they were like oh god we've got an extra post out of this guy amazing and i was winning because suddenly i was almost doubling my my fee um so that was a something i used to do a lot very early on I, I don't do that so much anymore because i don't tend to have as much time um but when i had that time and i had you know hours of free time to edit and and go and just get creative and do really fun shoots it was a great way to to yeah to make a lot more money.
0: Yeah, it's a great tip, and it's a classic marketing one-on-one um, skill or tip or thing to do. Um, upselling, and uh, you know, I always talk to other photographers about over-delivering. Not necessarily over-delivering from the outset, but over-delivering what you you get. Keep it in your back pocket. Oh yeah, 100%. and then say, "Here's here are the deliverables." P.S. To so let like, you know, it's, and, it's, and it works. even on the consumer side, right? Let's say. No, you 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 see something, or you you buy a preset, let's say, and you know a good marketer or good photographer, let's say, will or with a business savvy will upsell that preset. You buy a preset, and then it's like the next page would be like, oh, you can get a bundle of this this for half the price. Like, okay, yeah, and you're it, there. it works so often. It's such a it's such a good good little um tactic. Yeah, you talked about um early on in early on in your, your photography career, speaking to people you looked up at, getting advice, meeting them, you know, in your circle, networking. Who who in those early days were you really looking up to and getting inspired by?
1: So um a guy called Knights and Lights was he's now Gareth Heyman. He he I call him a cousin. He lives in Australia. He's like very, very close family friend. And he was um very early on in the Instagram days posting night photography. And I was very inspired by his work. And I started posting a little bit. And because he was such a close family friend, um, he was in- very encouraging to, uh, very encouraging of me to, to post and, and shoot. And then it was him that I kind of first reached out to about just a few things. Like I found out he was making money through Instagram, which is pretty cool. And then um, I think the first time I then found out that people were getting mad jobs was when I was in, in LA. And that was the very early on in my career. But and that was just at an event, speaking to tons of different photographers at mm. like a meetup. And I was like, wait, so you just got, you, you're you shooting for Linkin Park because of Instagram. And he was like, yeah, yeah, like it's because of my Instagram. Like they reached out and I was like, that's mad. And then someone else was like, yeah, I just got a job for Adidas because of uh, my Instagram. And they, at the time it was like 20, 30K followers, which was a big thing. But in the UK, yeah. there was no one with that. And in the US, there was people with 20 to maybe what year this? 100K. 2016. Right. Um. 2017 2017 2016 2017 um and that's when i was like whoa you're getting paid to to post on social media you're getting jobs through social media and that's when i suddenly was like wow okay that's that's crazy um and then early on when i started getting jobs i guess it was just like internally through with the friends i have like, like so like the uk shooters team um i didn't i kind of was just going on on my own i was just kind of like winging it and figuring out how much money brands had and as i said earlier like that one client who's like uh we'll double what you just said
0: yeah
1: and then i was like oh, okay right okay well if he said that that means i can do that for this and then you know you an agency would come with a fee and you go oh it's gonna cost you this and they go yeah no worries and suddenly i was like okay shit i can double up what they're telling me every time and then and then i started to understand that actually brands had way more money and then i was kind of like just putting the, the puzzle pieces in place myself um I guess on my own in a way, because as I said, like there wasn't really anyone else doing what I was doing at the time in the photography space. There's other people doing in the influencer space, but I think it was a time when brands were moving over to like people with high social followings in different industries, if that makes sense. Yeah. And getting creators to create content versus influencers. Um, so a lot of it early on was just me kind of winging it on the, on the go. I didn't have anyone that was like a mentor, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Without a mentor, when you were, you were kind of learning how, not necessarily how did you learn that I think style is a really kind of important thing for a photographer to establish uh, at some point, but how did you kind of find your style and how did that develop?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was just playing around in Lightroom, I guess, and I loved shooting at night and I loved having like the electric and exciting, just bringing it, bringing the vibrancy to life um, and shooting at night was something that I was, I was very passionate about and enjoyed and nights and lights again, my, uh, very close family friend in Australia. He uh did similar things. He shot at night, and there weren't. Many, he had way more teals than I than I did. um And I kind of just loved bringing blues to life. And from there, it wasn't something that lots of people were doing. And I think at the time, it was very unique, and no one really had the same style as me. It was quite a. I wanted something that was very different. I wanted something that I could go and shoot a portrait, go and shoot at night, go and shoot a landscape, and tie it all in together so i only had to have one page because at the time people were not really posting portrait next to a landscape next to a cityscape Mm. next to a night shot next to a astro shot next to whatever and that was what i wanted to do i just wanted to have everything on there i wanted to have my portfolio on there i wanted to learn everything and the only way i could do that was with editing consistently in the same style so i figured that out how to kind of just manipulate the colors really um so it looked pretty consistent and looked pretty nice on my feed um and that just came about yeah by by me wanting to have my night photography be the standout pieces and then having everything else kind of around that um and then more and more and more people started to edit in a in a similar way which was not because of me by any means but i mean it was just something that became people started shooting more at night and obviously the more people were shooting every area was was more saturated i guess whether it was portrait night city (laughs) landscape um so then I was like, okay, right. I'll, I'll finally release a preset pack. So I did that like a year and a half ago. And, uh, yeah, if were asking me for years, for my presets, like, can you, really? can you, can you, and I just never did it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then I just didn't have, I didn't sit down for like a month, which is why I did for this sit down for a month and tweak every single one to make them perfect and ready to be sold. Cause they were all a very like very loose and I'd go in and do adjustments every time and fiddle around with things and change things and, so I sat down for a month and I played around with them every day for a month and tweaked them. And then, and then yeah.
0: Where can people yeah, find the so, presets? So. Just on your... Uh, yeah,
1: they're on my website, yeah. mvisuals.net. Okay. They're in my link in bio on my Instagram, at m.visuals. Yeah, um, yeah thanks for that. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and in the description... We'll link or we'll link yeah, it anyway.
0: But um, yeah, your editing style is is very distinct. And I, I think that's... Uh, ed- editing or, or shooting or, you know, some part of photography has to be consistent with... To, in order to establish a style. Whether that's the, the aesthetics of it. And, um, uh, especially when you're posting social media, people want, or people, certainly clients, they want to know what you, what you are, what your style is within two seconds of seeing it. So yeah. you go onto your page, you can see, oh, okay, this is, this is Mike's stuff. And I think that's important, um, for any budding photographer, right? Is just to keep working, keep practicing and, and, a lot of the time I hear and you can tell us in a minute, but uh, someone's style kind of fall they kind of fall into that style. It's not like, Oh, I want to be exactly like this. Um so I don't know if that was your experience. Did you, did you I know night night shooting had a big part to play in it, but did you go and say, Oh, I I want my teals to be exactly this No.
1: No, not to no, I just fell into place. Yeah. Like yeah, it was just like I, I was making random presets and trying to figure out what everything did and then one day, one worked on something else, and then it worked on something else, and then it worked on something else, and suddenly that became like two or three presets. And then I tweaked each of those, and then suddenly that became four or five presets. And then suddenly I was like, "Oh, this is actually my style! Brilliant!" And okay. then it was, and it was done.
0: <laughs> what about UK shooters? Let's talk talk about that a little bit. How did that all develop? What is it? What do people need to know about it? How can people join in and be part of that community? Tell us everything about UK Shooters.
1: So yeah, UK Shooters started in 2016. And um, For those of you that don't know what it is, um, it's an amazing community of photographers that get together and it's an opportunity to meet like-minded people, hang out, shoot content, network. Um, and that might be networking with other photographers. I might be networking with models or even people like graphic designers and all sorts of creators come down to to, to get involved in the events, really. Um, and I started in 2016 when I was came back from the us and i was like um where's the community where are people and i think brings back to that team mentality of wanting to be with people when i was shooting i didn't really want to go out on my own i always wanted to be with other people and um i guess that's also another big reason for the success is because that i had early on was because we were learning from each other so quickly and a mistake that i would make i would tell them and a mistake they would make they would tell me and then that meant that none of us we both wouldn't make that same mistake and then every time you do that. And the more you open that circle, the the more opportunities you're you're getting because you're not making the mistakes that that drop you down. You're only having successes that that bring you up. Um and yeah, so I was like reaching out to people on Instagram and like, hey, you want to shoot? And at the time it was like messaging a weird from message message a guy on Instagram and meet up with them was like unheard of really. It was like, oh okay, yeah, sure. And then so everyone I met up with was like, I've never done this before, but yeah, okay, let's go out and shoot. And then i started to grow that network within london um hosted my first event in 2016 in september and we had i think we had like 400 and something followers on the page and we had like 67 people show up so i was like this is insane like can't believe we had so many people um and a large part of that was because i was just networking and saying hey i'm running this event i dm'd all my friends i would met and said you know want to come hang out bring a friend and we had like fire breathers and smoke grenades and it was just like it was the same thing that i'd seen in la basically um with the with the community out there with Mars demons which was like this yeah crazy not halloween but halloween thing so fun and uh yes we did that and then the following february 2017 was when i had the big first event and we agreed to meet well i arranged it to, to be meeting and outside big ben basically in london and westminster and I thought, I don't know, maybe we'll get like a hundred people. Like I was like, maybe we can get a hundred, it'd be awesome. And we met up with, I think we only had like five models maybe. And uh we all met beforehand at a coffee shop and, and someone was like, have you been across the, to the, to see any people there? And I was like, no, not yet. And they were like, there's a lot of people over there. And I was like, all right. So we went across as a group and there was like maybe the four team members and then the four or five models and a few other friends that had met up with us. And uh, there was over 350 people waiting wow. there for this for this and that's when i was like okay wow this is insane um and they, things kept progressing and they were always open and free um and then there was a the halloween we did which we had over 400 and i want to say it was over 450 it was around that um and that's when the police and fire brigade and all sorts of people came down and they were like this is cool but you have to ticket it because it's a health and safety, health and safety. And yeah. i was like all right so that's the moment then we started having to ticket it um, and tickets are only a, a tenner, so they're £10. And it's basically to make sure that it's, it was never about the money for me. It was about making it accessible for everyone. Um, but we felt that £10 was the perfect amount to make you want to come because we then, we were then running free events, but with tickets. And then what we do is we'd have 200 tickets for sale and then 150 people would show up and 50 people wouldn't show up because it was free. And they'd be like, Oh, I'm not going to bother asking for a refund or whatever. So then it was like a, a big issue as people then taking tickets and then not coming. So then as soon as we started um, charging, of course, no one's going to be like, oh, I'm going to get a ticket and then not show up. So it meant that we were getting like 90%, 95% people show up every single event, which is obviously what you mm, want, because yeah. it's it's also about opportunity. It was about giving people the opportunity to come and shoot. And if someone's buying a ticket and they're not showing up, it's it's, it's only because the, the events sell out within seconds. So it's only about um, giving people opportunity to come down. How much you charge for, do £10, yeah. Okay. You, For, no matter flat. what where it is no or matter what, what it, where it is okay. yeah yeah Um usually as well there's there's something that they get so like we ran an event with Bentley everyone got a pizza and a drink so like you're effectively you got you're, you're way you know that's and in London that's like two pizza, like you know what I mean like yeah, sorry half it's a pizza it's one crust Plus, yeah it's one crust of pizza um, and in other other events we just ran one with Xiaomi and everyone got a charging brick which was like 20 something quid like a, a thing so like everyone comes they always get we try to give people something Maybe it's a drink for the UK Shooters Presents events. There are ones where it's a panel talk. We always have a drink sponsor and everyone gets a couple of drinks um, on entry. So there's always we try and we give something um, back with that money to make it also basically a free event for the person. They're just paying for that yeah, particular that's thing. That's so doing.
0: cool. Nice community feel. Mm. Um, we're we're going to try and do something similar with, with the studio space um, later on this year and just build that uh, that community essentially at the end of the day and just meet people, yeah, network and... Not make it too um, too much about the money side of things, right? Just people talking, conversations, meet other. I mean, That's what it's about. Collab, you know, collaborations come from it. Learning opportunities come from it. Practicing, we've got models involved and etc. So it's cool. Tell us about the other team members.
1: Yeah, so we've got Luke who is over here right now in Bali, and I'm sure he will be yeah, on the podcast to get on very soon. It. Yeah, uh, we've got Keen. So Luke is effectively my business partner. He um, helped me set up a lot of the things that we do um and he is um yeah he's just a great person he's got amazing energy and he helped me launch world shooters so then across the i guess we'll mention this now early quickly is that we have then these shooters communities around the world as well so he helped me early on once i'd set up uk shooters he then was like oh what about this that, and the other and then we kind of expanded things a little bit and that's when world shooters came into play as like the overall page and then we have the us pages and then europe and now we've got eu shooters as well as dutch as well as hopefully more and more keep expanding um but it's you know hard it's with times we're we're trying to build these communities across the world but keeping everything consistent is tough but um yeah so we have luke um also amazing photographer and creator then we have keenan who is also in bali so again really really interesting maybe it would be great to get him on as well um video um works with some incredible brands and has like a very um very very great his style of editing is is, is on point and every, every yeah, time it's he's legit. done anything has, has been awesome so um then john, we,
0: john feels a pretty good as well
1: so, yeah and he plays basketball and he's it's gotten all right <laughs> he's got he's got all right recently um and we've got cyrus who is one of the the older um guys that was on the team with me early on and he um is uh mainly mainly now ahead of like logistics side of things so he does a lot of the logistical side of things with the events um, but he works full-time for an agency, ad agency. So he's working, and okay. he does a lot of directing. Mm-hmm. Um, but wise beyond years, um, he's just, yeah, um, he's always been, he's one of the youngest on the team, but he's like got a girlfriend. They bought a house. He's, you know what I mean? He's just so settled and so like focused. And then we've got the newest member of the UK shooters team, which is Oscar, um, very talented photographer. He started coming to the events, um, I think in 28, 28, 2019, maybe 2019. When he started photography, like he literally came to an event, and that's what started his photography career. And then he has so much energy and that youthfulness that kind of sometimes we're missing because Mm. we've been in the industry for a while. And I started going out and shooting with him, and I was like, "Fuck, this guy is talented, and he's also wise beyond years." And he was Instagram, um, the Visual Life, um, very, very just a really yeah really good guy so i then when we did a little mini expansion recently with some of the portrait members which i'll talk about in a second um he was then brought in on the uk shooter side because we just needed that youthful energy to mm-hmm. to re-kick start everything and sure enough worked a treat so that's the uk shooter side then we have the uk portrait side which is the portrait side of the of the team but they're all everyone's come in the same thing but it just means that if there's um separate events it means that the portraits team might take a bit more of a lead for the portraits events and if it's a shooters yeah. event then the shooters team also social followings are a big thing so i have to try and again make, work my way around with people that are, have smaller social followings but just like are incredibly talented but also large social followings like oscar who also then have um the high social following but also great people and have that energy then we've got the portrait side so we've got um Taya. Who's one of the newest members? So she's an incredibly talented videographer. She started doing a lot of our video work now. Um, and yeah, she's unreal. She started to edit my, um, YouTube videos as well. Just brought her in for some of that. So, uh, definitely check her out. She's one for the future. And, uh, yeah, she's great. We brought her in in a year and a half ago now. So yeah, she's been great. Uh, then we've got Gareth, who is probably the, I think he's the second person I ever met on Instagram um so we met we met in london and uh yeah really uh, really really good guy and i'd always like have my my eye on him if he wanted to join at some point but he was going away doing his thing he was traveling and then he came back to london i wasn't really too sure um and then pre i think it was pre-covid i asked if he wants to join the team and then i think covid hit and then he blew up on tiktok and then he so and then he started posting way more on social so it's kind of really good timing And then he's risen as well and now doing some incredible campaigns for for some great brands, which is awesome to see. Uh, and then we have Gigi, who is, she's an incredible talent, incredibly talented fashion photographer. So she is, um, yeah, she's next level. She's from Brighton and which is my hometown. And she's a great, uh, great person to have on there. And she, she's, yeah, working with some incredible brands as well. So she's on the portraits. And then we also have, um, Dee. So she's the newest member of the portraits team. And again, she's had a, a massive rise in social media recently. So she's gone up from, um, I don't know, thirty k to like a hundred k in the last maybe five months. Wow, um, had a really really good growth spurt. And she was someone I w- I worked with when she was a bit smaller, um, on a few things. And then I was like, you know what, she's going to be great for the team. And we hung out a few times, and she was really nice. So, um, yeah, she was perfect. So then we brought her in. So, yeah, that's the that's so the full. Is that?
0: 12 people?
1: So that is uh, let me do the maths here Five, six, seven, eight, eight. plus then we have some interns which is 12.
0: Okay. So how do they how do the non-UK events work with I guess everyone or the whole of that team is UK based?
1: So that's all UK
0: based mainly London
1: or the South Coast mainly be, also because they have to be available to come to the events we have to have meetings we have to have all these things going on. And, you know, Gigi's in Brighton, it's only an hour and a bit away and she's in London for shoots all the time. Um, but then we do have, there's three interns. So we have Max, who's based in Birmingham, so slightly further north, but not too far. Um, and then we have Truman, who's based on the south coast. So he comes up, again, not too far. And then Arthur, who's based in London as well. So, um, again, we just put a, a story up and saying, hey, we're looking for some for some summer interns. And then we had, the, the response was insane. We went through and all of them are overqualified. So they're all helping out on much bigger things um, internally. I um, know I'm 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 still min- figuring out how the team dynamics going to work with them for the future, bringing them in for for a longer term thing. But Truman
0: and Arthur, Truman, what are Arthur, they like? Seventy five years old. Uh, oh, yeah. Great names. Old <laughs> school, old school names. Love those names. Cool man, that's that's amazing. And how. You have so many Instagram handles for shooters now. I I don't know which one is you and which one is yeah either a ripoff or a, yeah an account that was all well, we need to get them verified, don't we? Yeah, isn't that this week? Oh, I don't so know. We, what's going we're recording this, this yeah. at the end of February, twenty eighth February. So I think uh, yeah, I think Instagram are bringing out we'll see paid how it does. Like, yeah, Twitter and stuff. Um, you mentioned a few people blowing up on social media. Quickly, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much social media, but you've obviously done very well on on your accounts. Uh, one or two tips or uh, advice you can give people, certainly photographers, is keep it photographers photography specific. Um, now in the in the social media world, with reels, with TikTok, with YouTube Shorts, with stories, posts, still images, all the stuff that's available. Uh, Give me some basic advice for people who are, let's say 5,000 followers want to get to 50.
1: Consistency. okay. Consistency is, is a massive key and that just rolls through everything. So that's consistency of the work you're producing. So making sure that the consistency of your posting, so posting every day consistently, um, a, th- a similar theme. So consistency of the theme you're doing. So maybe your reels are... I don't know all BTS or maybe they're all just like very nice cinematic pieces or maybe they're color grade pieces or whatever they are that obviously try different things. But if you have one that blows up and then you're going to get that audience in, you need to then work on that particular theme and consistently post that as well as other things if you want to. Um, And you can always break out of that, but you have to consistently be consistent with, with that. Um, I'd say play the game the social media game which is listen to the, what the that particular platform is doing and do it because they're always going to give you tips on how you can grow so early on it was like when they introduced reels it was very obvious that instagram was going to push reels and not your photos mm-hmm. so you have to unfortunately play that game yes you might get lucky and just be able to post photos and still have good engagement but i don't know there's probably one person that can do that and i don't really know anyone else so realistically you're in the masses you're going to have to then play that game so there was huge growth opportunity when Instagram was pushing reels and they still are pushing reels and there still is great, great opportunity. So, um, listen to what the platform's saying. If they're suddenly promoting something new, then do it, do it before anyone else. Yeah. If they're adding new stickers to something or adding, now you can do music to stories stories. and sorry, music to posts. I just, oh. I don't really like that feature, but you can add a story to, uh, sorry, add music to posts is a feature that I just don't really think is necessary, but instagram was doing it and early on the first day it happened i noticed people were doing and their engagement was triple what it normally is Mm. because they're like oh we want people to see this so it's it's being on trends early um talking of trends how do people
0: sorry how do people see those trends well you have to be on the platform
1: so you have to be watching seeing what they're doing see what the most successful photographers are doing in the space like follow people that have 500,000, followers and see what they're doing consistently. Because those, those are the guys that, that you, you, you're looking up to, right? So those are the people that, that then look what they're doing. Um, and then that's also with trends. If you see a trend that's happening, like right now at the time of recording, there's this trend. I haven't done it, but it's just like an editing one where you just basically put in Premiere Pro and you put like the little color wheel and then the colors that are in the, in the photo, then just like, Disperse, go to that separate area and then it, broom, the so color sweet. comes. It's really, it's really nice. But like I've seen that a billion times now. Maybe that's just because it's the people I follow or the things that are coming up on my. But early on, the first time I saw it, I was like, that's a great, great thing to be doing. And then if I had like the time and I was just doing social media full time and I was just working on that, that's the sort of thing I would jump onto instantly and be like, right, that is something I need to learn how to do. I'm going to get five reels and I'm going to learn to do it, edit it, and have them up tomorrow. And that's where you have the success. And that's, and that's something that's, that's easy to do. If you're not, I have a million things going on all the time. So I don't have time to jump on trends, um, as much as I would like to. But if you do, and that's how, you know, and you're wanting to grow, then that's how you do it. I think also it's important to like engage and not just expect your social media to grow. It's a, it is a game at the end of the day. And you have to really push your social, be seen by other people. Um, so engaging, building that community internally as well um is also important i think to to have that i guess it's like how you people remember you for a reason and if you're just there in the in the background you're posting every day that's great but if you're there commenting on everyone's photos and you're there um replying to stories and just do whatever it might be that's when you're suddenly gonna i think see a big difference as well because um yeah it's it's important to to show you are there does that make sense
0: does make sense. Yeah. Like it's it's still a social media platform. Yeah. And so the social side often gets forgotten.
1: <clears throat> and especially with Instagram.
0: Especially with Instagram. They, you know, a lot of people put like set posts and then just go, oh, I've done my job. Well, no. Instagram, the algorithm will always, always prefer people who who act, who basically spend time on the, on the app, app, Yeah. Right? So, you know, you do that, you don't do that by posting once a day that helps but you do it by engaging with people and being social and that's what it is for us what it always be for as well as many other things obviously so
1: and i think with tiktok it's slightly different because i think it's a case of just continually posting every day once or twice a day and just churning out content because it is a, a more of an entertainment platform yeah. it's a yeah. i'll watch i'll watch and then you get well, as soon as you get your first blow up i feel like it's, it gives you the opportunity to to then capitalize on that so if you're looking to grow on tiktok i would definitely say just post, post, post and repurpose, repost. Um, if something you are sure is a really, really good video and it hasn't, for some reason, hasn't worked, change the audio mm. and repost it. Change the, the thumbnail and repost it. Change the, the length, maybe t- switch the clips around and repost it. Cause at some point, if you are sure this is a sick thing it will blow up because it's going to always give you the opportunity to blow up. Whereas Instagram doesn't have quite have that same opportunity. Um, So yeah, that's another big thing for TikTok, I'd say, is is just redo it. If it hasn't had the success that you believe, not everything will. Some of them are going to be average. But if you have one that you know is going to be like, you're like, oh, okay, this is sick and it's really good and doesn't do it, post it again.
0: Can you remember any that that you have had blow up?
1: Yeah, on TikTok, there's been a few. Yeah,
0: can you clearly ident- Could you um, can you clearly identify what you think worked on on that? Or is I think, I find a lot of things like a lot of times, like well, you know, it's cool, not much different. Maybe timing, maybe the audio, maybe really kind of the small. So things is-
1: one of them is the audio. So there's one audio that I've used, used in the past, and it always does well. And then I haven't used it for like got eight, eight, eight months, and then I used it again. Um and then that had I don't know a couple of million views, and that was yeah that was, I knew that would do well, and it was a very similar thing, and and I think yeah I think it's just a case of just continually posting. Um, sorry, I'll go back to that. What was it? What was it again? So, <laughs> what was the audio? So audio Blooper So audio um yeah so the audio on that track i'd used before and i knew it might do well and it was the perfect kind of shot and the end result was pretty nuts the conditions were pretty crazy it was snowing in london so there's a there's a lot of different things that that go hand in hand with why that potentially did well um other thing is like education is it tends to be a good one so sometimes i'll try and like add a quick photo tip in it and then usually those two slightly better because people will save them or people will watch it twice so it's just like oh the end result was a cool photo um but that's just again that's just my style and because i still love photography i don't love short form video as much so i go out i'm still doing the thing that i love which is taking the photo but i can then repurpose it for for tiktok and i have a bts of me taking the photo from the spot which is fine because it's cool. at the end of the day it takes me an extra 15 seconds to do that but i'm still in doing what i do and what i love to do Uh, and i haven't i haven't got away from that if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i haven't I haven't changed with the trends and changed everything that I want to do because of a because of a platform. I'm still doing it.
0: And what about Instagram? Um your favorite, maybe not your favorite, but some of your more cherished photos or videos. Do you have any that come to mind or that we, we can look at now?
1: Yeah. Let's pull up pull up the page. Um I mean honestly, like I love, I enjoy. Pretty much all the photos I, I, I take because it all reminds me of a of a different time or a location or somewhere around the world or, um, or being with really cool people. I guess one easy one to talk about is in LA. We'll pull it up. It's this one here just so you can see. Yeah. Um,
0: Tell us how you shot that.
1: So this was in LA and I always wanted to go to the spot but never been there. And, you know, people go there all the time. It's quite a big Influency spot you can get a nice shot of la in the background i'd always had this idea of doing something completely different and um i was like okay i'm gonna fly my drone around and someone will stand in the middle or against the pole next to it um and then i had other friends that were all like yeah let's go shoot and then another friend came and then we ended up having like five or six of us um and then someone had the light led light stick with them and he was like oh what if i stand here and it was kind of like okay cool let's try this um and then i flew the drone and then i was like actually that's fucking sick like that's super cool and it was something that just came together with because of different people and like ivan was was stood there um and you know it takes also other people being creatively selfless because he may have wanted to get that shot but he was quite happy to stand in the middle with the the light stick you need other people to be like oh yeah i'll do that Mm -hmm. um to make help you get this cool shot that you've wanted to do Mm -hmm. so uh, that just brings back good memories. It was the end of a, a four-month period I'd done in the U.S., so like there was just a lot of a lot of uh, good things going on at the time. There. How
0: fast do you have to fly the drone to do that? Well, you can check
1: out my reels, mate. They're on there. There's, there's some tips Luckies, there. Luckies.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's 13 seconds. You have it on. You have it on. Uh, point. What's it called on the drone? Point tripod. No, no. Uh, so you have your. I'm gonna have to watch my reels.
0: Where can find the wheel. Um so yeah, near that place.
1: Nah, but it'll be far down because that. Was, yeah. So, you set the drone up and you have point of interest, and then you basically have that at the center point. So, you can do that over a subject person, you can do it over a building, whatever yeah. it might be. And then that just does it. And it's 13 seconds that I figured is the best time to do it with the drone and then the drone light painting kit. Um, and then hopefully you get a circle like that. Um, but yeah, that was, as I said, because of the memories and the people I was with, and the end of a really fun four months in the US. Was uh how many takes? Uh, well, usually I don't know six to ten. But well, you just you just constantly you don't check. You just well, I mean, obviously you check this info, you, you just check this it. there. But you because the drone only lasts maybe ten minutes because it's so heavy and it's an old Mavic or it's my original Mavic drone. So like the battery is pretty much useless. So you're just getting it up and hoping for the best, really. Um, that's is that a real?
0: A, that's a real, but
1: not the one. Um. And there's a similar one in the US as well. No, well,
0: we'll have to find a reel because yeah, yeah. it'd be nice to put it up on, on the there.
1: screen. Yeah, yeah, You'll, you'll see like it. Yeah, there. you'll see it. Um, and then similarly, the, 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 this, this reel is probably almost a better one oh, yeah, to show. Oh yeah, that's the one I just clicked on. Um, which, uh, yeah, again, same thing. In the US, I'd seen this basketball court and I was like, this would be amazing to have like a ring around it, like around the world, like what a cool, uh, you know, relationship to, or relation to basketball. And um yeah. Went out and shot that with Luke and Andrew and a couple of other guys. And yeah, really, really just really fun to to go out and create something. And yeah, I, that's one of my favourites. There's, there's a shot of me with it, but also I think my favourite one without me in it because it's just like super minimal. Mm. But also like the light is so unique of how it's lit up the the court at night and the sunset was pretty nice.
0: It's so cool. There's that symmetry between the light above and the court mark yeah. uh, the I don't know what you call it in the basketball. The the mark, yeah. yeah the, Court, cool, cool. <laughs> court markings <laughs> semicircle um penalty box yeah whatever yeah it's so cool mate um and then
1: i guess a lot yeah mainly the night ones are the ones that i'm like super passionate about and yeah. usually creating something a bit different and and doing it there's a recent post here for bentley uh which was something that i wanted to to do was it was a charger challenge so it was it's the hybrid um and I wanted to obviously electri- electrify the the electric, what do you want to call it, charging point into yeah. the into the Bentley and uh, bring it to life at night with the with the bus blurs and that It took me a long time and then I had a had a a, a mate help me with the, the with the electric. electric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But super, again, super super fun just to do and, and get creative with and that yeah. frame obviously with London as well. Um yeah, I really love that. Um, I mean,
0: pick up some that you what, what have you what's eye catching on your end? Have yeah, you got anything that's uh Well all of it, really. Um mm-hmm. I do I'm glad you picked out one of the uh the drone I don't know what, how, what, drone light painting, yeah. Drone light painting. Yeah, because they are I've I've never tried it, but it's got, it's so <laughs> you know, trying to figure out yeah. how it's done. Um that's my question. But yeah, I mean your stuff's really cool. Um very, very distinct as well, which again I think is so important. Um another, for people to, to know your style exactly as soon as that was something it.
1: I wanted when especially earlier, I wanted someone to see a photo and go, oh, that's an individual's yeah. photo. Like it yeah. was important for me. Yeah. Um another one that we can just quickly talk about is yeah. this one here, which was actually shot for Sony. So I had I'd had this this location pinpointed for probably like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, I'd never shot. I went there in the day once, looked at the frame and was like, oh, I haven't got a lens wide enough. And then I got a 12 mil and I knew that 12 mil would be wide enough to get that shot. Um, And it was always something that I was like, oh, I'll do, I'll save it. Because a lot of the time I save shots for adverts. So I'll go with an idea. I'll be like, right, that'd be perfect for an ad, but I'm not going to shoot it and post it because then it's just like wasted. So I'm gonna going to save it for when I might have um, an advert that will work for it. So I went there and myself and a mate called Paperboyo he actually picked the location because we had to do like a collaborative post for Sony where two photographers go to the same location but look how different their content is they create. Where is um, the location? Uh it's in London opposite on London Bridge just literally um off London Bridge opposite you can see the Shard there. Uh and I he was using he did paper cutouts so he was doing a paper cutout with his um his creation and then mine was obviously the light painting which is what i was known for what i am known for um so yeah then we both created something completely different and unique from the same spot um and then afterwards i've probably seen i don't know i've probably over 100 people go and shoot that same thing now um with different light painting or across the side or the stairs or someone um sitting in the middle with with something or um yeah, but it was it so was a cool. it was something that I yeah it had had pinned in my brain as something to use for so long, uh, and then finally got to use it for an ad that I was really really happy with with Sony and um, yeah so it was really cool so that's a really um, one of my favorite images and then there's like those tons of images I've never never posted like one of my favorites is my screensaver which is from EDC in Vegas, which is a handheld long exposure of fireworks. Oh, cool and like I just I've never that was with Bo. Um, at the festival in Las Vegas. Stuff. And like, yeah, like it's just like, I will post it at some point, but it's such a special shot. Like I was shooting for the festival and it was a cool yeah. thing. I also tour DJs. DJ. Yeah. That's another big thing that I've done in the past. Um, so
0: what does the future look like for Mike Will? And, and will your style evolve? Will you change things up? Will you keep doing the same thing? What does the future look like?
1: Who knows? Um, honestly, like I don't like to... To look too far ahead i, I really just like enjoying what i'm doing currently and seeing how things go and um i guess we've got to see how the trends move and how ai comes into play and how and how brands start to to change and, and what might happen in the future really um also web3 how's that gonna gonna um sync and yeah i'm, I'm very open I, I like to to keep things not too like, oh, yeah, I'm just specifically going to go and shoot night or I'm specifically going to yeah. move into portraits or whatever. I just like to do everything. Um, and as long as I'm having fun, I think that's the main thing is I want to just keep enjoying what I'm doing. Um, so if I'm not enjoying night photography, then I won't be doing it for a while. I'll maybe go and do beach photography. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. go down by. Yeah. yeah, there we go. And just do do things that are like just different if I'm enjoying it. Um, but obviously, night is such a big passion. That I would imagine I will be still be doing night photography um around cities and like exploring new cities like i'm going to japan very soon so i'm super excited to to shoot across there but also right there. uh we're gonna go to tokyo See. and then um other tbc locations but i'm pumped for tokyo uh Such and then cool and then other places across the world as well like there'll yeah. be other cities that i want to go to and other places um and we'll just keep seeing how that is but obviously um having this i'm doing that with sony so having support of Of Sony, so i've been a sony ambassador for four years now um so that's pretty cool and i'm going to go and see the, the sony hq and um meet people there so that'll be that'll be good um but yeah for the future who knows just see what see what social's saying see what jobs are saying see what everything's saying the only thing that i know i'll be still be doing is is still building community um with the shooters events and still um running as many events as possible there
0: well mate, I wish you all the best in the future. And um just Thank remind you. everyone where where we can find you in your team and your your communities. Sure.
1: Yeah. So um UK shooters at UK.shooters um if you're in the UK. Um and then what at world.shooters um has the rest of the teams as well. So I'm not gonna list them all off, but there are twelve other communities around the world. So if you are looking to get into photography, uh, meet like minded people go to some cool events then definitely check them out um, and the website is worldshooters.com shooters.com um, and then my personal socials are at m.visuals across all socials um twitter is at mvisuals because there's no dots but yeah at m.visuals um across uh tiktok youtube twitter and instagram um and yeah my website's mvisuals.net if they're looking to uh, check out some other things as well. That's one of the things I need to update when I'm here, in invite mm-hmm. my plans. Um, but again, my presets are on there if you're looking to check them out. Um, but yeah. Come on. Well, um,
0: I'm sure you'll keep adapting, evolving and being at the forefront of, of the business world and photography at least. And um, thanks for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Enjoy the rest of your time in Bali. Thank you. And hopefully I'll be able to join you on some uh, some morning shoots. Absolutely. Some, well, that's it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Cheers, Matt. Mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, buddy.
1: Nice one.